0: I back up in your general direction. <laughs> uh,
1: it's okay, Curtis. Your, your your mother was a hamster. <laughs> your father smelled the elderberries.
0: I appreciate that. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me my auto-cooling system consultant, Persona Mali, on the SCOM persona.
2: <laughs> I'm good, Curtis. I hope one day it's fixed. It looks like it's getting closer. You now have all yeah, the parts. I and the you now that kind have, of know the I issue. have
0: almost all the parts um i'm waiting the thermostat comes tomorrow
2: so for the listeners this is a second week where curtis's prius has had overheating issues so he's in the middle of
0: just randomly it overheats for like 30 seconds at a time uh i've now put in a an odb scanner that allows me to look at it real time and i have a little dash gauge and now it on my phone and now actually i can see that it got up to like 230 degrees, but for only like 30 seconds. It's so that's so weird. weird. Exactly. Anyway, so I'll be I'll be swapping out some parts. The beautiful thing of using rock auto, which is a great website for um, not a sponsor of the
2: podcast, just, but maybe they do not want to be a sponsor of the
0: podcast. Yeah. Hey, you know, rockauto.com, a great place to buy parts for your car as long as you have lots of time to wait for them to show up by UPS. <laughs>
2: um,
0: but uh, yeah, so I've got the water pump, I've got the sensor, I've got the thermostat. And I'll be swapping all those out in the next uh, 24 hours, and hopefully get my Prius back to, you know, thumbs up. It's literally the first actual problem I've ever had with this car after 160,000 miles, which is actually but, pretty good, you know, pretty good. Yeah, you know, I'll take I'll take that. So uh, let's talk about other problems. Uh, some you know, the more technical nature. We have a, a guest uh, actually for the first time in a while. I don't remember the last guest we had from Druva. We have uh, uh, one of my colleagues from Druva on. She's been in the information security space for about a decade, and I'm excited to have her on the podcast. She is the senior PMM for cyber resilience here at Druva. Welcome to the podcast, Celeste Kinswood.
1: Thank you for having me, Curtis, and lovely to see you, Prasanna.
0: Likewise,
2: super excited to have you on the podcast talking about one of my favorite topics, which is
0: all about cyber resiliency. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely,
1: that's everybody's favorite topic right now.
0: <laughs> it has to be. Um, so the um, uh, before we get started, I'll just mention that uh, uh, Celeste and I work for Druva, uh, Persona works for Zoom. This is not a podcast of either company, the opinions that you hear are ours. and Be sure to rate this podcast at com slash restore. And also, if you have things that you'd like to talk about in this space, then we would love to have you on. Just contact me at WC Preston on Twitter or w Curtis Preston at gmail.com. I saw a stat, and again, unverified, it was from an article, blah, 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 but it was it was 20% of SMBs are saying mm-hmm. that they have already been hit by ransomware in the last year. That's kind of huge. It is. The thing is, I, I, I've been in the, the backup and DR space for almost 30 years. And for a long time, many companies had the attitude of like, well, it probably won't happen to me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, well, they still do. But, but, but the, because the odds were increased, you know, what is it? The, may the odds ever be in your favor? What was the, what was the Hunger Games thing? <laughs> the odds were in your favor. Right, um, that most companies don't get wiped out by a hurricane or a or a earthquake or a sinkhole. Um, you know, I grew up in Florida where we had sinkholes and entire city blocks would just get sucked into the earth with no warning, and whatever was there was just gone forever. With you know, like just the worst. But most companies wouldn't have that. But and 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 still, we're not in a world where most companies are attacked by ransomware. But it is a significantly higher percentage than those that were attacked by a disaster of some sort. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, I think you bring up the, the stat of the percentage of folks that are, are hit, and that that is big. And I try to stay away from FUD, right? I, I'm not here to sow fear, uncertainty, mm-hmm. and doubt. Um but I think the scarier statistic, if we if we can lean into it for a moment, is that fifty percent, fifty percent plus some some estimates now say sixty percent of you said SMB small small businesses actually go out of business. Wow. After a ransomware attack, that's... I think that's you know so it's it's not just that it's widespread; it's widespread and it's devastating. Wow! Um, so I, I don't see that to be disempowering. I think that there's there's a lot of things that can be done to prevent that. But- um, obviously backup being one of them. Um, but you know, but I, I think it's important to take to take on board that it's it's a very serious threat as, in addition to a widespread one. So
2: I guess in that sense, like you mentioned, Celeste, one possible way to prevent going out of business is to make sure you have backup so you can recover from ransomware. But a lot of these small SMB companies, right, they don't necessarily have the resources, the skill sets, right, dedicated IT, not only to look after their production workloads, which might be a challenge in and of itself, but also, like, worrying about, okay, what's the best infrastructure for backup for disaster recovery? What about even my security posture? Right? Do I have the right levels of security automation in place and detection in case I do get hit by ransomware to be able to detect that an attack is happening.
1: Absolutely. I think we we talk a lot about operationalizing security um, right now. And I, th- I think the idea there is that you're right. This isn't this isn't a one-man show anymore. This isn't a DIY project. Um, we've moved past DIY into a space where you need allies, you need help.
2: I remember, Curtis, the episode we did with Jack Ellis on the DDoS attack at Fathomly. Right. Analytics, right, right, where he basically said his ability to stay in business was because he reached out to AWS and was able to leverage AWS to help them combat this attack. Like you said, Celeste, you need to go to the vendors who can help you manage this, who have the expertise.
1: It's vendors and partners, and it's folks who will actually help you manage that. The tech stack is getting deeper all the time. Uh, you, you said it yourself. The primary environment is huge, and then you have the backup environment on top of that. So you're you just it's becoming this layer cake of uh, of technology, and, and managing not only the running of all that technology, but also the actual security of that technology becomes it becomes a Herculean, uh, if not Sisyphian, task. So I, I absolutely think that it's, it's about choosing folks who will help you uh, help you operationalize your security, uh, you know, who manage that for you, right? That's why MSPs are so popular.
0: I love it when you bring up obscure uh, Greek, you know, references. I love that. I was going to say, exactly. <laughs> I'm super impressed. Sisyphean. I, you, don't, you just don't hear the phrase, Sisyphean? I don't even know how to say that Sisyphean? right.
1: Sisyphean? S- 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 I don't even know if I said it right now. Yeah. I think you, I think you did fine. I just, <laughs> I've
0: never said it in a sentence. I, I know who Sisyphus is.
1: So Sisyphus was the guy who was punished by the gods. I can't remember what he did. I think he was like overly prideful. It's usually what usually what happens. But he was punished by the gods to push a rock up a hill all day, like a boulder, bigger than he was. He had to push it up the hill every single day. And at the end, at the end of every single day, there was no top to the hill, and it would just roll back down and crash him, and he had to wake up and do it again the next morning. Well, that,
0: that, yeah, that's just oh. – I, I think that, that sounds like backup. I think that, that, I think like, that, 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 that very like much is. A yeah, stack. exactly, exactly. Um, and you, you remind me. Uh, you, you, did you see the animated Hercules, the Disney Hercules? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite line. I love that my one. favorite line from there is after Hercules gets crushed by the Hydra. Uh, one of the kids yells yells out, "Someone dial IXII." <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite line. Anyway, uh, okay. um, and this is why I think, and and you know, for those who start rolling their eyes at this point because I work for Druva and I'm going to say that a company like Druva is the best way to do this. I've had this opinion for many, many years. And that is, this is an area where your core competence and having a company and a service that this is what they do, both from a cybersecurity perspective, as well as a data protection perspective, that you need a company on that side of things, which is not what Druva does, but you also need a company on this side of things on the data protection side that has done this before that is dedicated to backup and data protection and disaster recovery and ransomware recovery all of those things because one thing has and and i know I, i mentioned this a lot on the podcast but one thing that has never changed about backup and that is that nobody wants to do it right Nobody <laughs> wants to raise their hand and say, uh, you know, let me take over the backup system. You give it to the um, newest
2: guy, right? That's what always yeah, happens.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> give it to the newest guy. I mean, that's how I got my job, you know, back in 1993, that Ron Rodriguez did not want to be the backup guy anymore. And so that's how I got my job. Um, and which is crazy, like know,
2: the most important thing in the company. Yeah, it, it's is- so
0: important, but nobody, but it's, no, but it's also, it's, it, it's, it's, real challenge is that nobody remembers all the backups you got right yeah they only remember the one restore you got wrong (laughs) yep (laughs) right i mean to this day just ask the guys at MBNA about the time that i pushed the epo button in the data center um you know that's the only thing they're ever going to remember about my time there (laughs) it was pretty it was i think pretty if we memorable. take the
1: the hercules metaphor right the, the zero to hero yeah. is the theme on the, the disney version yeah. at least right and i think that's the potential for i mean you said you got it because nobody else wanted it yeah. and it goes to the the newest guy uh but you have the opportunity there yes of course you have the opportunity to drop the ball and hit the wrong button and and everybody remembers that but you have the opportunity to be a hero because if if the company's hit by a ransomware attack uh, it's gonna fall on the backup guy's shoulders, mm-hmm. backup person's shoulders, and uh, and they have the opportunity then to say, "Hey, look, I got all the data back. Right. We didn't pay the ransom. We got we got everything back, and look, I got the company back to I got the company back to normal in under under two weeks, in no a matter of days, whatever it is. That's a career making. Right. Yeah. You know, that's that's the hero moment. The, the, that's the promotion. That's it's, you know.
0: But I but I to go back to what we were talking about earlier, doing that successfully by yourself with mm. sort of standard data protection technologies, if you don't specialize in it, is it is again, probably more Sisyphus than Hercules, right? Because it it is a really difficult task. It's a really easy task to get wrong, right? <laughs> it's, it's a very difficult task to get right. Um, and it's one of these where I, I, I become a bigger fan of, these companies that some of which we partner with that do uh, that help you on the information security side, that, that again, because they specialize in it, they know how to detect it and they know how to stop it as much as possible on the front end and keep you from doing the really dumb things that, because that's the thing that kills me is when I, when I read about these ransomware attacks where it's like this ransomware attack was, enabled by a Microsoft patch that the customer didn't put in and it was available a year prior Mm -hmm. to the attack, right? So that's the role that those folks play. I think one of my favorite episodes, actually one of our more popular episodes was, uh, it says ransomware victim tells their story, I think is the title. And it's with uh, Tony Mendoza from Spectrologic. And they told us a very blunt account of what they experienced when they got attacked. And they are a backup company, right? They are a, they are a tape library company and the problems that they had actually really didn't have as much to do with the physically doing the restore part it was the figuring out what the heck has happened to us part yeah.
2: and and also like what they should do like i know tony was mentioning yeah we didn't have a ransomware attack um use yeah, case no scenario, playbook. right? Playbook. There yeah. was no playbook around that. And so he was like, good thing we signed up for cyber insurance a couple of months before.
0: Yeah, they had cyber. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was only a couple of months before. And because they had cyber insurance, the cyber insurance company put them in contact with one of these companies whose job it was to help them through this problem, right? So I had that conversation yeah. now, get some cyber insurance. Please don't get the cyber insurance so that you can have them pay the ransom, please, for the love of... Everything. A lot of them
1: won't. There's a lot of legal restrictions around it now.
0: Yeah. So so the, the point of cyber insurance is to bring in the right group when this happens. And the same is true of having a, a data protection as a service offering on the back end so that what you have is a group of people that are dealing regularly with with problems like this.
1: Uh, but you brought up the point earlier that it was a patch, right? That yep. in this attack, it was a patch that hadn't been installed a year later and that is one of the reasons, one of the core reasons, that Druva operates on a SaaS model, because nobody has time. Ain't nobody got time to make sure that every single system is patched, every 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 upgrade is made, and that's, so we handle that, right? We handle that for customers. And then on the other side of that, as you said, what went wrong? how do we how do we recover what's happening and and that data protection as a service we have our cloud ops team is continuously monitoring uh, the backend of uh, of backup spaces um you know obviously we can't see the data, but we can see the activity and we'll actually call we will proactively reach out to a customer and say, did you really mean to delete?" half of your backup data, that seems fishy. Right. And, and sometimes they say, yeah, absolutely. We're migrating data centers. It was planned. No problem. Sometimes they say, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> right. We did what? And, you know, and then, and we help them through that. Yeah. And sometimes they'll actually confirm, you know, yeah, we're, we're impacted right now. And then we can step in and help uh, you know, help with that recovery. Help them get back to normal after the attack. There was
0: there was something you said on the pre call that I'll, I'll I'll quote what you said earlier, which is if we're the way that you found out you had ransomware, you have bigger problems. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so true.
0: We may be right because we are watching for unusual data activity. We're watching for backups that get giant or backups where suddenly you're deleting a bunch of backups and a bunch of other things that. Are indications of various kinds of attack.
1: Yeah, or everything becomes encrypted, right? Yeah. We're doing a backup, and we say, "Oh shoot, all these files just changed." That's yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. So that's yeah,
1: it's it, particularly we talked. We started with small small businesses in those kinds of shops. Maybe they don't have uh, the the primary environment tools that they need, so we can help with that. Uh, in the bigger enterprise space, where obviously those tools are not only a necessity but the table stakes, right? We integrate with those tools. Because you talked about orchestration, uh, Prasanna, absolutely. We need to ensure that customers have the ability to orchestrate their primary environment tools with their backup environment to make the restore happen faster.
2: And especially in these large environments, right? I could imagine you have, like if you get hit by an attack and you need to restore data, you might have terabytes and terabytes of data spread across all sorts of data sources that you have to restore. And so like how quickly can you get that data back? Or how painful, is I should say, how painful is it to actually painful. go through and click and say, yes, I want to restore this, I want to restore this, I want to restore this, and understanding what you need to restore as
0: well. And, and I think that th- th- this is a good time to talk about this idea that the, the dwell time, and well, I'll define that in a minute, the dwell time of ransomware <laughs> is a lot longer than most people think. Right? So the dwell time of, a, of a, a piece of malware is the is basically the time between the initial infection. And, and again, let's make sure we define every word I'm using. Infection is the moment at which the malware gets on your box. And then there is this encryption process that starts, and also what's happening at that time, depending on the malware variant and all that stuff. Sort of, the other thing is that the malware is trying to spread itself inside your computing environment. right? So it doesn't just infect, one laptop. It wants to infect as many servers as possible, right? So it's spreading it as much as it can. And then it's, it's infecting, I'm sorry, then it starts encrypting the many files, but there was, I I just checked um, the, the FireEye Mandiant group, uh, which is like their PS Mm -hmm. group inside FireEye to help Mm -hmm. people deal with this. They said that the dwell time of ransomware has actually decreased, but uh, it decreased from seventy three to twenty three days. The, the median dwell time. But they had this, um, and they were saying that 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 wasn't an indicator that people were getting better at finding ransomware. It was an indicator that ransomware mm-hmm. was becoming more effective, right <laughs> in, in, inside, right. Um, and yeah. but they had this Threading chart. Faster. Yeah, they they had this chart that it was a it was three years of data, and they showed basically the dwell times and how many people had that dwell time, what was amazing mm-hmm. is that chart goes out to 550 days. And oh. uh, that, that meaning that people can get ransomware and it could stay in there for that amount of time. And But I, I think the median time was like 23 days. But the point is that during those 23 days, if you're talking about a file server or a laptop or something, it's sli- silently encrypting files that you're not currently using and no one notices, right?
1: Dwell time is very much top of mind for me as well. Uh, you, you talked about the medium, median dwell time being 20 some odd days on average, when you average out, right. uh, it's closer to 90 days. Mm, yeah. Um, so again, just depends on, uh, on the attack. But there's two things that I think are really important to, to call out there. One is uh, just as you mentioned, and this is something we were just talking to IDC, I was on an analyst call with IDC recently, and they talked about the fact that ransomware used to enter the system, spreads quietly for whatever number of days, and it didn't really start encrypting until the very end, right? right. We get to the day of the, the ransom note, and hey, we're just gonna make as much data grab as we can. Um, and new variants are instead encrypting files slowly in the background. Um, right. The other important point I think there is, you know, as you said, uh, the dwell time decreasing, ransomware attacks don't happen without people. There is a threat actor, on the other side of a ransomware attack ransomware itself does not decide when it's going to hit the bulk encrypt button somebody decides when to do that um and that's usually i mean it's never monday at 9 (laughs) a.m i wish it was but it's not
0: (laughs) no it's normally like friday afternoon right it's like friday (laughs) afternoon for the three-day weekend
1: thanksgiving day you know new year's day These, these are all really popular days for attacks
0: i i remember you and i did a podcast for druva and we did the recording before, like a three-day weekend. And you, you yep. made some kind of prediction <laughs> yeah. that that weekend would be a great time to drop ransomware. And that's exactly what happened. Is there was a ju- it, w- yeah. it was the I don't remember what it was, but it was 4th, probably, a probably right. Yeah, I think it was July Fourth. Yeah. It was a big ransomware attack that happened just prior to a three-day weekend. I think that was and, a Kaseya um, happened at that time. It was. It was yeah, a Kaseya. It was I Kaseya. Kaseya. I knew it was one of those named attacks. The
1: point there is. Since it's gonna be Friday uh, you know, before a three-day weekend, the process needs to be automated. We've talked about automation throughout. The process needs to be orchestrated. That means that the security tool should A, be disconnecting everything from the network, saying, hey, stop, we gotta stop the spread of this, but it affects the backup environment too, right? You don't wanna continue backing up infected data. Uh, you don't want to have anybody restore data from an infected snapshot, right? And so you need the ability to automatically quarantine resources, not only in the primary environment, but also in the backup environment.
2: And I know that some of the ransomware especially, right, they've gotten smart and they now start explicitly targeting backups, right, going through and trying to
0: delete the backups before, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, if your data is stored on a computer where backups are stored as files.
1: If it's connected to the business network.
0: Yeah, yeah, if your data is stored on servers that are connected to the business network, yeah, basically it it will either delete it or encrypt it and do that as part, A, as part of the attack and B, before it's into the ransom note.
1: The first point being that there's somebody behind the attack, you need to have the orchestration automation to respond, even if no one's in the office. Uh, The second point being with those longer dwell times and with files being encrypted slowly in the background or data being encrypted slowly, it becomes increasingly hard to figure out what point in time to restore from, right. right? You have to you have to look at this whole time of infection, and there's and there's competing priorities, right? Uh, you want to get the company back up and running. You need everybody to have their data back on their machines as quickly as possible, but you also don't want to cause reinfection. And so, what you end up with is sort of the worst of all worlds solution. Which is you go back to a point in time prior to the infection, mm-hmm. which is again somewhere between twenty and five hundred and sixty days. Right, <laughs> you go back before the infection. You say, "All right, cool. The data's all clean. We're going to restore here." And then somebody, and it's it's you, Curtis. It's it's you know the the, the yeah. new kid on the block, yeah. right? The backup guy has to go forward in time and find. The most recent version of files as people need them.
2: Celeste, that's exactly what kind of Tony walked us through, just sort of finding that good point in time after the infection. He said that was so painful, as because you need to sort of bring up these environments in an isolated spot, right? So you can
0: actually test things out without reinfecting everything else again, right? Yeah. 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 And it's one thing like, yeah. so ran- some ransomware products are starting to infect uh, VMware. Right, uh, so attack VMware directly as opposed to attacking the VMs inside. So assuming the, the you know the, the VMs aren't infected, like the OS of the VMs haven't been infected, right? So that's one thing to restore VMs, right, as a single image and and it's not infected inside. But the I think the real challenge is when you've got a laptop or you got a god forbid a file server that something <laughs> attached to that file server that has all power or maybe it's a, it's a windows-based file server maybe it's a linux variant of ransomware because they do exist and and it was able to crawl this entire thing and encrypt files over time how in the heck do you figure out you got <laughs> you could have thousands and thousands of files how do you figure out which ones to restore and, and because the thing is just to get on one of my other hobby horses Backup and archive are different. One of the reasons that backup is different than archive is backup is always done from a point in time. A restore is done from a point in time. Whereas archive, you say, give me all the emails that I sent over the last three weeks. Prior to what Celeste is going to be talking about in about 30 seconds, there's been no way for us to say to a backup product, give me the most recent version of files before they got corrupted, you know, during this time Backups don't think ranges of time. They think single points in time, which means you're going to be doing thousands of individual restores once yeah. you identify the file that you like. Um, and then tracking all of that and all of that stuff. So how in the world, Celeste, Oh, while we... you're
1: all while you're exec <laughs> is breathing. <laughs> all down while you're exactly where yeah. is my slide deck, Curtis? Yeah. I, I built this two weeks ago and I need it yesterday. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: I'll put in one story of when I was involved in a large uh, disaster recovery, the person that was the, he was in the the knock and he was sort of orchestrating everything. I was one of the people in the, in the data center doing the things, right? Bringing all the things happen. And he's the guy coordinating everything. He was talking to us on speakerphone. We didn't know he was on speakerphone, but he was talking to us on speakerphone and, and, and somebody said, so you're in the knock and he goes, yeah. And we said uh, they said, um, so let me guess, uh, is Tom and Tom, meaning the two bosses above him, are Tom and Tom on your left and right shoulder? And he goes, "Uh uh-huh, and you're on speaker. And Tom and Tom, who were indeed on his left and right shoulder, just took one step back. (laughs) Because that's exactly what was happening, was his boss's boss and his boss was standing over his left and right shoulder doing this thing. That is a real thing that happens. So how can you do something different than that? Celeste.
1: Yeah, you teased this a little bit already, and I, I think it's a good time to talk about it. We recently announced our curated recovery feature. This is part of our accelerated ransomware recovery portfolio. Um, and what it does is it lets you get the best of all worlds, right? So instead of saying, all right, we're going to go back to 40 days ago before the attack, we're going to walk forward in time, find, individually find files. You input the time, of the attack, the time frame. Uh, so again, often this comes from the security team. The security team says, "All right, we believe the first infection date was on uh, you know I don't know. Let's pick it, July twenty third, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now we you know and here we are at the day of the day of ransom. The uh, security team says, "All right, here's the the date of infection. Maybe it was back in July, and then you input that whole time frame, right, July twenty third to today, and the software automatically goes in and finds." the most recent clean version of every single file. So instead of needing to manually pick out and do those thousands of restores, software goes, finds the most recent unencrypted version of the file and compiles all of that into a single curated snapshot.
2: And automatically restores that to the location you want, or does it make that available for you to see, Oh, here are all the versions of the different files in a single equivalent virtual point in time, if you will.
1: The second option, it creates a curated snapshot. It creates, you know, we think of it as like a golden snapshot, right? It has all of those files in one snapshot, but then you still have the choice to restore that snapshot, uh, to restore that snapshot to a clean environment. Like you said, you could put it into a sandbox before you do a production environment restore. It's just like any other Durba snapshot, but instead of just being a point in time, it's all of the clean versions of files from an entire uh, from an entire period of time.
0: It's been curated.
1: Um, and then it's been curated, <laughs> hence why we call it curated recovery. Um, and, and then the other really great thing there is you can scan that snapshot then, and you can use, we have built-in malware scanning. Um, you can also, again, use a third party uh, if you want to scan the data that way. Um, but most but most importantly, we actually give the option to plug in your own hashes, uh, your own hashes, your own IOCs. So indicators of compromise, uh, hashes are just values that help us identify specific strains of malware, and so the security team can actually go in, enter the specific, you know, the, the identifier for the specific malware that happened in this attack, the specific breed of ransomware, if you will. Um, they can in put input that hash and scan the curated snapshot to see to make sure there's nothing in there. There's there's we're not going to have that reinfection issue. So now we're solving for. It happened on a Friday. <laughs> If yeah, you know, it happened on a Friday and you need to have the orchestration, we're automatically quarantining. Then once we've done that, we're inputting the time frame of the attack. Right, We're figuring out what really happened, inputting the time frame of the attack, getting all of the most recent versions of the files that are unencrypted, putting those in a single snapshot, and then scanning the snapshot for the very specific variant of malware that happened in this attack, and making a clean, complete restore. And We're doing this in a matter of hours or days. This isn't this isn't weeks or months later this is taking out that long manual process and instead making it as simple as saying yeah all right I see which files are here I see which files were blocked and why I want to restore
0: so you, you said doing this in a matter of hours or days um, what determines that's a big range what determines how long that I mean is?
1: obviously the the, uh, the scope of the attack
0: right so how, how long um, the, if you the, the dwell time or how much data that you're looking at?
1: No, more so the data. Like So, for example, if we're looking at 20 laptops, it's a very different story than if we're looking at 200 file servers, right? right? Um, you know, and so as always, and we're here, again, you know, we talked about the having the right people on your side. We're here to help orchestrate that and, and make sure that you're getting business-critical data back first, for example.
0: Yeah, so you can prioritize the yeah, you can prioritize the, you know, the critical yeah, data. Yeah,
1: you, you can select specifically, all right, I really care about Tom and Tom's laptops. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want them to get their data back first. So you can say, hey, get me all of the clean files from the last month on Tom and Tom's laptops, and then you can restore those machines first.
2: So one of the things that I've heard, especially when it comes to devices, um, is that you almost need to make sure it's clean before you can restore the data. Right. Um, does Druva help with that aspect or is that sort of you expect your security team to either like wipe out a laptop or have a clean laptop and now you're just helping orchestrate and reloading the data onto the user's laptop?
1: We can do wipe. Uh, we actually we have APIs that allow you to even run the, the remote wipe function through an orchestration tool. So if you have like Palo Alto Xor. Um, you can say just, hey, I want this laptop clean, uh, and then we'll restore the, the profile to it. One of the things that I think is so cool there is that we actually back up not just the files that are on the laptop, but the apps, preferences. references. So it's a full user profile. So instead of saying, all right, cool, we've got the files back on, but now we need to get Tom's favorite whatever it is, and also, you know, also all his settings.
2: It's natural scrolling every time that I go
0: into a laptop. <laughs> yes, the natural <laughs> scrolling versus the non natural <laughs> scrolling yeah. exactly
1: we have those settings backed up so when you re- when you uh restore the profile, all of that's there um so i mean that's that's not ransomware related yeah. it's just a nice nice thing
0: right, but that does help in terms of the using a laptop yeah, and I think mm-hmm. with a file server it's probably a little bit easier just delete it, delete everything in this directory and then do a clean restore on top of that um the um uh, that, that I, I think that'd be a best practice, right? It'd be easier to do a restore from a greenfield, uh, but it, that's mm-hmm. up to the customer, yeah. right? It is. Um, yeah. the, the, so one, one thing there, there was a question. To, oh, so you you mentioned earlier, you've mentioned a couple times actually about automatically quarantining snapshots. How yeah. would how what is going to kick off that automation process? Like it, it's Friday. Friday at 11.30 p.m. and suddenly Druva starts quarantining snapshots. Why would it do that?
1: Uh, That's because of the integrations that we have with Sim and SOAR tools. So Sim, a security information event management tool. Splunk might be the first one that comes to mind for listeners. Uh, SOAR tool, security orchestration automation and response tool. Uh, FireEye, Helix, Palo Alto, XOR um, would be some of the main players there. Uh, So these are tools that are are sitting and constantly digesting all of the information that comes in on the network. They might be digesting information from our anomaly detection. And uh, that could be part of it. They might be kicking off because of something they saw in the network. Um, But via API, they, they can then call the Druva environment. That tool can reach out and say, hey, stop backing up this endpoint, this file server, right? Stop doing that backup and make sure that nobody recovers data from snapshots that have come off of that mm. resource. Mm. Um, so that's again, it's, the it's orchestrated via store. The, the store platform.
2: Just the one question is when it quarantines, you said it prevents restore. I'm assuming that's either mm-hmm. from like, if a user was using Druva's sync to protect their laptop, I wouldn't be able to go in my client and restore the data, mm-hmm. as well as if an exactly. admin wanted to do it from the Druva console.
1: Exactly. So it's both. It's the self-serve. You, persona if you went to say, hey, I want this file back uh, off my laptop, it would say, hey, sorry, you can't <laughs> do that right now. If an admin uh, tried to do the restore, they would just get the notification in the okay. console. Uh,
0: and, and I do want to make, I do want to mention that while I completely agree with you that after an infection, we don't want to keep backing stuff up. I do want to Mm -hmm. sort of make a difference between what might happen in other scenarios, because we could theoretically back up the actual malware itself, but, but that's not, it's really important to understand that even if we did do that um, we're not going to, there's no path for that malware to take inside the Druva environment for it to Infect further backups, right? Uh, it's it's a backup yeah. of an infection does not in any way um, equate to to an infection.
1: Sales guys have asked me like, "Oh, is there is there ransomware in the Druva environment right now?" I'm like, "Absolutely," but there are two reasons that that doesn't matter. One, we do object based storage; we don't do file storage, right? right? Ransomware is built to crawl file systems, so. One, because we cut everything up into little tiny objects, we probably just diced the uh, ransomware up into tiny pieces, <laughs> yeah. so it's not going to be functional anyway. But let's take the edge case and say that for some reason, we managed to get ransomware that was complete code. We stored the ransomware in a single object. It's in a jar on a shelf. Yeah, It's got nothing. It can't call home. It doesn't have not a persistent network connection. Nice. This is a great time to talk about command and control servers. Um, but yeah, it can't execute in the Druva environment. So unlike... A system where you're connected to the same business network, um, you know, where you're on on on-prem, whatever it is. uh, Unlike that scenario, ransomware can't execute, can't encrypt or delete uh, Druva Druva backups. Right. I like
2: the the jar on the the shelf. I I I know that is actually a really good analogy because you're right. A lot of times some on-premises backup, you have a server running, which has executables, which allow the ransomware to continue running, even if you back it up, right? And
0: so that leads to issues. you you've, yeah, they uh, you've, can call home. Early, yeah. Earlier, you, um, you alluded to something about the White House. Did you have a story there?
1: Oh, yeah. No, just that the, the you know, the White House recently offered new guidance on ransomware. And one of the things they specifically call out is make sure your backups are not stored on your network ah. because new ransomware variants specifically go after backups. They find them on the network, they encrypt, they delete. Uh, sometimes they encrypt the client that does the backups, right? Because that's, uh, that's encryptable. Right. And so you end up in a, in a situation where you have to spin up an entirely new client to even do the restore. that. Doesn't happen with Drova, Um, but yeah, it's it's that business network connection. Don't don't put your backups on the same network as your primary environment. You're gonna have a bad time.
0: Curtis, Curtis is three, two, one. (laughs) Absolutely, Q. Curtis talking about the three, two, one rule. Exactly. Yeah, this is and this is this has become more important in the ransomware world, but it's always been a core part of the way any good backup and DR system has been designed. You should always have one of the copies should be, you know, physically somewhere else and not electronically accessible. And and uh, that last part, I just want to mention, just because your backup server is off-prem doesn't mean it's not electronically accessible. If you, um, yeah. if you have pick your favorite backup product running in pick your favorite OS running in, pick your favorite Colo, Facility or cloud provider, and you've created a VPN between your physical data center and that data center. For all intents and purposes, that server is on prem, right? And it's just as attackable as other data, right? We're talking about a, an, you know, the, the term would be air gapped. I do prefer the term electronic air gap or virtual air gap uh, because, yeah, over, you know, the, to distinguish it against the physical air gap. That's the one thing that tape can really provide, right? It's a physical air gap. Uh, There we go with tape again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Tape, tape,
2: tape. Yeah.
0: If it wasn't so bad, it'd be great.
1: (laughs) You'll note that I and the White House were both very specific in the language. It's make sure that your backups are not connected to your business network. Because That's what ransomware needs. It needs a persistent network connection to be able to call home.
0: Persona, you know, she's brought up this this concept of command and control servers a few times. Do you want to explain what those are? Yeah, so basically
2: what ends up happening is sure you have ransomware sitting on your system, but really it's just waiting to understand and getting packets of information in terms of what it should do, when it should do things, right? And so it has these control and command and control servers which live out there on the internet and are constantly being rotated around and there are various ways that these ransomware modules talk with that but it sort of receives uh if you will tasks that it should complete or do and so it's really someone pushing that button like celeste said saying encrypt everything now right and that comes from the ransomware actor who is in control of this command and control server which then pushes it out to the ransomware clients if you will
0: And by the way, we had a great podcast that really illuminated an area of IT that I had never heard of, and that was the DDI world. So this was a a vendor that, so, and basically they help stop command and control servers by Mm
3: -hmm.
0: knowing the way requests look like when you go to talk to a command and control server, right? So a, a normal web server is like, BackupCentral.com, which by the way is a great website. Um, it, <laughs> that's a normal DNS request, but a command and control server request is like 470 characters long, because it it it's made in such a way that it's a it, it's a DNS request that identifies where I am, and mm-hmm. you know, and and those are you. So if you have a DDI solution that looks for these kinds of things, it can actually help stop the command and control server requests up front, right? There's a lot of things that could be done on the front end.
1: I'm a big believer in DNS security. I actually started my security career back a decade ago at at OpenDNS, um, which is now Cisco Umbrella. Um, But yeah, being able to intercept at the DNS layer is a fantastic primary environment tool for security. with Druva at the, at the backup level, it's, I, I always think about ransomware is evil ET. It just wants to phone home, <laughs> yeah. um, but it needs, it needs a connection evil to do ET, it. I and like so that. with, uh, with Druva, the, the way that we're blocking that connection is by not having a persistent network connection that it can use.
0: Right. Right. I like that. It, right, no, Zana, you no, you no, wanted I
1: just want to, wanted to ch- no, 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 no. I,
2: I just, just want to try. chime in. That was episode 87 on stopping ransomware in it's track with DNS, mm-hmm. DHCP and IPAM with Android. Right.
0: So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was it was a great it was a real illuminating illuminating episode for me because I didn't even know that was a thing, right? Um, <laughs> that was fascinating. And 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 um, Celeste, you've alluded to the concept of defense and depth, right? That's mm-hmm. at the front end of things. You also have things like you know, and I it's IDS, right? I, intrusion detection, mm-hmm.
1: intrusion detection yeah. system.
0: So yeah, you, you have that. You have all basically you have IBS, all that stuff IBS. on the front end we're like the very back end we're the the yeah. we're who you call when everything else broke right um and and which is why you know like you said if the fact that we picked up uh anomalous data activity and and that's the first time you're knowing that you got you had ransomware that is a bad situation it means that
1: problem in and you, you really
0: didn't have but we are there right um and yeah. then we are there to help you out of it and to help you get out of it much quicker
2: since i've been watching a lot of football i was going to say it's almost like a free safety in football where if a mm-hmm. running back gets through everyone else right you're hoping that the free safety in the secondary can catch them before they score a touchdown I will just have yeah. to take your word for it, Prasanna.
1: No, it's it's a, it's a really good analogy. Uh, for any of our, our listeners who are not football fans, I happen to be. Go Steelers. Yay, Steelers! Uh, but, uh, yeah, Steelers, <laughs> uh, But for any of our listeners who are not football fans, to take a, a different analogy, um, we talk about defense in depth, or, or at Drew, we say multi-layered defense. Um, and so if you think of the castle, right, like you have a moat, and you have archers, and you have a drawbridge, um, and, and you keep layering the security back in. Gruva is the very center. We are the keep, right? We are the the place of last defense where the data goes to be safe. Um, so I, I think that's maybe at least more universal yeah. imagery.
2: Is this feature available for customers today?
1: Absolutely. this This feature has shipped. Uh, we've seen seen some customers with some some really excellent uh, feedback. So. Uh, request a demo. Uh, if you just go to the, the Druva website, you can request a demo and, and uh get that on board. Um yeah or if you're already, if you're already a Druva customer reach out to your uh, reach out to your representative.
0: Absolutely. Well thanks Celeste for coming on and chatting with us.
1: Yeah I liked my keep analogy. I'm gonna <laughs> keep that like that was good. Like we're the last bastion of defense. We're the place the data goes to be safe. Like I'm keeping that. I just have
2: in my mind like uh the Hobbit or the Lord of
0: the rings
1: yeah exactly yeah you yeah. know final
0: does that make us helms deep are we helms deep because that didn't go so well no
1: i guess <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that didn't... no no it's uh, no it's the the other one the, the the big white tall one the that one and like it does go well <laughs> like they get through the gates but then they get stopped before they reach the main keep and like the king is exactly. okay G- gondor gondor is yeah. the country i don't know what the yeah it's yeah. Like, it, it, the white city of gondor i don't know i mean i i did
0: i did read those books and watch those movies but i i don't know stuff like that just doesn't stay up in my head well you have 26 hours to watch the extended
2: edition so maybe you should start
0: that now (laughs) i back up in your general direction (laughs) Uh,
1: it's okay curtis your 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 mother was a hamster (laughs) Father's called the Bears.
0: I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Prasanna, for uh for coming on again, of course. Awesome. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah. And nice to see you again, Celeste.
1: Yeah, such a pleasure. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me.
0: All right, and thanks again to the listeners. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all.
3: There was a file. Isn't worth a spit Finally I needed your backup You had a chance To fix it Instead it's all jacked up See how i write On Facebook about you Don't underestimate The things that I will do There was a file But I deleted it Too bad Your backup system Isn't worth a spit A story It'll be completely done.